This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to The Afternoons with Helen Farmer. Podcast great to have you with us and a real host of experts across a whole range of subjects on today's show. Being January, we're getting our paperwork in order. Everything you need to know about the UAE Unemployment Insurance Scheme with Legal Eagle Ludmilla Yamalova. She was taking all of your questions as well. And after all the gathering and the gifting of the holidays, it's time to spend less this January. Debbie Steedman, the co-founder of Shop Well for Less Facebook page, gives us top tips and you shared yours as well. What chores should we give our little ones depending on their age? And should we even be calling them chores? Conscious parent coach Mesa shares her advice. And a new app to aid parents in teaching their kids smart money management is up and running. So what do you need to know? It is Monday, January 2nd, which is a bit of a big day when it comes to some big changes here in the UAE. To guide us through that, look behind the headlines and also go to the text lines if you've got any questions. Ludmilla Malava from HPL Malava and Pluka live with us to take those. You can be anonymous if you prefer on 4001. Use that ARN Play app or the WhatsApp. We're also live on Facebook, so feel free to get in touch there as well. Happy New Year, Ludmilla. How are you? Happy New Year to you too, and I'm great. Hopefully, 2023 is off to a great start. I hope so too. It's certainly off to a busy start. Um, Lots to unpack, and as I said, lots of messages coming in for you as well. Can we start with the unemployment insurance? Because earlier today, my husband sent me a link saying, could you get on this as soon as possible, please? And I haven't done it before the show, and now I'm panicking. Tell us everything we need to know. It's come into effect today, but I need to know who is it applicable for? What are the consequences if you don't sign up? Ludmilla, tell us, please. Uh, yes, uh, so it is indeed, today is the big day. Uh, so number one, this is perhaps the biggest uh, clarification or um, the highlight on unemployment insurance is that this is the responsibility of the employees, not the employer, because that was a big guess that we were all left guessing uh, in terms of who is going to have to carry the cost of the unemployment insurance. So it is uh, it is the responsibility of the employee, one. <clears throat> Two, uh, it is not optional, but rather mandatory. Uh, and that was another big question. Mm-hmm. And then three, it's uh, and because it is mandatory, it will be um, uh, perhaps made available very easily uh, and to subscribe. And ultimately, there will be no option but as as you become when you become an uh, an employee, uh, but uh, to subscribe to it. So it's um, and there's for the time being, there are different ways of paying for it. Uh, you can pay for different uh, at different kiosks uh, through different portals. Uh, but I'm sure as time goes on, it it will become so integral to uh, being an employee in the UAE that it will be very smooth and fluid. It will just be as part of any cost that we pay uh, on a regular basis. Uh, now, in terms of how it works and who it applies to, uh, there is several categories. Category A and it's category uh, category B. Uh, and um, ultimately, what it is so if the cost is is negligible if you uh, think about it. Uh, so it's five dirhams for category A. It's only five dirhams per month, and it can be paid monthly, quarterly, or annually. Uh, and this particular category of insurance is open to any employee who has a monthly salary of uh, 16,000 dirhams or below. Mm-hmm. So if you are making 16,000 dirhams or below, your monthly cost for this particular insurance is five, uh, five dirhams per month, and you can pay it uh, uh, month by month as you go on. Um, uh, and in the event sorry. you lose a job in this category A, uh, uh-huh. then you can be entitled to 60% of the average basic salary 
which is calculated on the average of the six months leading up to the unemployment. And that particular sum is capped at uh, 10,000 dirhams per month. Okay. And it's pay, uh, paid for three consecutive months. Uh, and uh, and so and then the limit on this unemployment insurance for this particular category A uh, would be thirty thousand dirhams in total for the first for the three months of coverage. Mm-hmm. If you're making more than sixteen thousand uh, dirhams a month, and that's the category B, and then the cost is ten dirhams per month. And uh, once again, you can pay it uh, monthly, quarterly, or annually. Uh, and in the event a category B employee or worker uh, loses their job, they can be entitled once again to 60% of their average basic salary, which is calculated on the average of six months leading up to the unemployment. And once again, this, there's a cap, which is uh, 20,000 euros per month, mm-hmm. and it is for uh, three months of unemployment. Now, there are a few caveats. So you need to be employed uh, and subscribed for this particular scheme for at least one, uh, one year. Uh, so it does not kick in right away. Uh, also, the uh, end of employment has to be due to um, legitimate reasons, mm-hmm, and you cannot sense. be dismissed <laughs> for negligent or some other uh, some indiscretions in order to qualify. Ludmilla, I've got I've got questions, and um, well, listeners have questions as well. Cedric saying, "Happy New Year!" Did it this morning. Very easy. Paid 126 dirhams. Certificate received 20 seconds later. Thank you for that, sir. Um, a rumor saying, um, I understood that companies can offer to pay the cost. Is is that not right? It has to be the employee that pays for it. And are there any exceptions to this rule? You know, CEOs, free zones, freelancers, etc. Talk us through that. Well, first of all, it's, it's correct. So um, the, uh, the requirement, the obligation is on the employee. But if the company wants to offer it as, as an additional benefit, uh, then absolutely it, um, it, uh, it's just like an, any other benefit uh, that it can offer on top of uh, just the, the, the mandatory, for example, the salary, if they want to offer a commission or a bonus or, um, you know, or, or an increase in the salary. So it's the same thing. So it's, if it's, it's optional for the company to offer as well. Uh, now, in terms of the uh, uh, exceptions, yes. So domestic employees are excluded uh, so, <laughs> as well as partners or shareholders of companies. Uh, so other than that, the uh, anybody who's listed as an employee, then they are, um, they're entitled to it and obligated. But if you're a partner or investor in a business, uh, or if you are a domestic employee, those ones are excluded. Um, a message here saying, um, but but I have to tell you, oh, sorry if I can if I may jump in. So I do I do think that a similar type of insurance will uh, be offered uh, for domestic employees as time goes on, but it'll just be done in a different category. Okay, good to know. What about free zone? Message here saying, is it applicable to DIFC um, ADGM? What do we know about that? Uh, great questions, great follow-ups. Uh, so the ADGM and the DIFC uh, are not—they're um, uh, not part of the scheme automatically. And this is because they are subject to their own legislation. They have their own laws, mm-hmm. including anything to do with employment. Uh, so the DIFC has its own employment law, and so does AG, ADGM. Uh, they have their own courts, and um, so therefore, by uh, automatically at least, or by default, they are not subject to this particular scheme. But um, seeing from based on experience, usually the DIFC and the ADGM they do lead the way in terms of um, uh, worker p- protection and benefits. And so I do anticipate that that they will they may offer a similar scheme in t- in time, but they will be more optional for them. Um, a master saying, is this applicable for Emiratis? It's my understanding is it's Emiratis and expatriates who need to be signed up, correct? Mm-hmm. Indeed, yes, it's for everyone. And what about 
when <laughs> just thinking about about you know Cedric saying it's really easy Cedric thank you I promise I'm going to get on this evening what are consequences if you don't get this organized and is there a deadline uh, so there isn't a specific uh, a specific list of uh, penalties if you will it's, it's rather obviously you don't get the benefits <laughs> It's you. Well, you won't get the benefits one, but as as I as I mentioned earlier, as time because remember we need at least you need to be subscribed for the scheme for at least one year in order to benefit. Mm-hmm. So it really will not see the benefits of it play out uh, until at least one year from now. Uh, so uh, therefore, you you do have some time, and I say uh, I would imagine as time goes on, it will become so integral in terms of just, for example, being part of our lifestyle, such as uh, renewing your residence visa, mm-hmm. uh, that you, it will be uh, it will not be an option for you to subscribe right now. As Patrick uh, rightfully said, you can go to different uh, ATMs, to different business service centers, insurance pool websites, and money exchanges to to subscribe. But as time goes on, it will be part of your visa renewal. Uh, so I don't think the question of what happens if you don't subscribe uh, will really come in because it will it will be so integral to our uh, existence in the UAE that all of us will be subscribed to it by default. But for the time uh, for the time being, uh, it's obvious that if you don't subscribe, the, the sooner you subscribe, the sooner you will be entitled to benefits in, in the event uh, this unfortunate circumstance that happens to all of us mm-hmm. of unemployment happens and you're not able to find a job uh, quickly. One last question before I let you have a little break and I spend two minutes doing this. <laughs> Is it applicable for golden visa holders we've had on the text line? So the golden visa holders are, well, it depends on what type of, so it's not so much linked to the golden, to the visa, but rather employment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and also if you recall, the golden visa uh, is issued for different reasons and on, di- on different grounds. So you could be, for example, a golden visa holder for um, for being a distinguished student, and you have an employment with a company. You just you could be just 22 years or 25 years old, but because you were a distinguished student, you received a golden visa, and you're working as an employee at an ordinary company. So it does not necessarily is not linked to your golden visa status, but rather the type of employment. However, if you have a golden visa because you're an investor, um, that's uh, then you'll be excluded because it's not you don't have an unemployment, but rather in, you're an investor and shareholders and owners of companies, they are excluded. Makes sense. Um, finally, what is the website for me and indeed anyone who wants to spend the next couple of minutes getting themselves sorted, Lunmila? Have you got it to hand? Well, so there is, Mohre is the best one. This is the Ministry of Human Resources and Amortization. They're the ones who have been um, at the uh, the helm of this particular initiative. So the best place to go is the website, but there will be so many, the the Ministry of Labor, the Ministry of Human Resources and Amortization website for all the details. Uh, But in terms of subscriptions and such, uh, then that will be... uh, the, the various kiosks and uh, business centers, uh, if uh, and money exchanges, or even doing the Etisalat and, S- and the different SMSs through which you can subscribe. But in terms of for details, Mohri would be the best one. My husband sent me the website um, iloe.ae, which stands for inv- involuntary loss employment um, of employment. So ILO 
E.ae was how he subscribed. That's what's been sent to me. That's what I'm going to be clicking while uh, while Ludmilla has a little break after that information overload. Thank you so much, Ludmilla. We're keeping her with us all the way through until five o'clock today. So if you want any clarification on exactly what we've been talking about, um, that insurance scheme that comes into effect today, or indeed anything else to do with living legally here in the UAE, we're going to be talking rent next. We're going to be talking travel bans. Get your questions in. You can be anonymous if you prefer. We totally understand on 4001. You've got the ARN Play app and you've got the WhatsApp too. Millie Malava joining us live to look behind the headlines, give us the latest guidelines and go to the text line too. And my goodness, it's going to be a busy one. We're going to get through as many questions as we can between now and five. Do be quick if there's anything that's on your mind. We're very much here to help on 4001 on the ARN Play app and the WhatsApp too. Anonymous message here, Lynn Miller, and that is absolutely fine. You can request no name, say no name, make up a whole identity. We don't mind. Um, no name saying an embarrassing legal question with traveling in December to meet and fix my daughter's wedding date and meet her boyfriend's family could not as the airport police told me I had a travel ban was unaware. Apparently, my commercial landlord has gone to court. I'm unable to pay what he's asking. I was in hospital when all of this took place in July 2020 with hip fracture, angina, diabetes, kidney problems and now on south of Alzheimer. Can I get the ban suspended for a few days so I can fulfill my duty as a father? Is there any way? on humanitarian grounds. I'm so sorry that happened to you. It sounds like an overall distressing time in your life and culminating, as you say, in attempted travel. Ludmilla, what do we know about any kind of extenuating circumstances or undoing this work? To undo it is to ultimately pay the debt. Now, let me explain how travel ban works. And there are different types of travel bans. There are travel bans that are based off of a criminal complaint, for example, or criminal case. And there are travel bans that are based on an unpayment or failure to pay a commercial debt that has been issued and secured by a final court order. Uh, so in this particular uh, listener's case, it's, a, it's the latter one. It's a commer- it's an unpayment of a commercial debt. Uh, so um, and how it came to be was that there was a case that was filed and it sounds like the tenant did not attend the hearings. And um, I'm surprised that he or she wouldn't, wouldn't or I guess he would not have been served because he should have been served uh, by uh, by the RDC about the, the ongoing proceedings. And in that particular case, because it was case for perhaps payment and maybe an eviction, there would have been at least two potential uh, uh, times where the he could have represented himself. And so, and so there's a court of first instance, and then there's a court of appeals for, especially if there's a, a judgment for eviction. So he should have been able to represent himself, and ultimately, and maybe he did, uh, and there was a final judgment against him. Now, that in itself does not, once again, lead to a travel ban. It's only if now there is a final judgment and the judgment has not been paid uh, that uh, the landlord would have filed enforcement proceedings. And as part of the enforcement proceedings, uh, they try to maybe seize uh, the tenant's bank accounts or try to reach other assets in order to be able to pay off the, um, uh, the judgment amount. In the absence of all that, the court would ultimately authorize, among other things, uh, is a travel ban, for example, even an arrest warrant. Uh, so, um, so that's sort of the process uh, that would have led to a travel ban in this particular case. So it's not a criminal case, which is a much a simpler issue because it's just a matter of a commercial debt. Now, uh, what he can do from here on is um, there would have been a, 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 at least a chance uh, for the, uh, the tenant to ask for a payment plan or for a stage payment plan from the court, uh, either as part of the um, 
a substantive case or as part of the enforcement proceedings, and this must not have been done. So at this point in time, there's only one uh, amount that needs to be paid, and uh, unless you pay that amount or agree with the landlord on some sort of a payment plan, unfortunately, this uh, travel ban will remain in place. Um, so my advice is, is to focus on approaching the landlord and focusing on some sort of a settlement, a negotiating settlement with him. Uh, otherwise, if somehow you were not represented in the court because of some other procedural defects, then you may want to uh, appeal the judgment on the grounds that you were not served. Thank you so much for that, Ludmilla. Really wishing you all the very best with both your health and those finances moving forward. Please keep us posted and keeping all fingers crossed that you are able to get there and help with that wedding. Um, we've had a number of messages asking about the uninsurance um that insurance, the unemployment insurance scheme. We're going to come to those. Um, asking about, do you, you know, do you need to do if you're going to retire in 2023? They're saying, I plan to retire in 18 months at most, 64 years old. Will I be fined if I don't enrol? We'll be addressing that. We're also going to go to the text line, asking some of the questions that have come in earlier today. Um, is it legal to track someone's phone without their knowledge? And is it a problem if you've got a different surname to your husband and kids for professional reasons? What paperwork might need to be in place? We'll find out with Ludmilla. Ludmilla Yamanova with us this afternoon. It's your free legal clinic and we've had a couple of follow-up questions regarding the unemployment insurance we were just talking about earlier, Ludmilla, really relating to people who are looking to retire. One saying, if you're retiring this year, do you need to subscribe? Another saying, I'm planning to retire in 18 months at most, 64 years old. Will I be fined if I don't enrol on the unemployment insurance scheme? Well, yes, in short, because it, uh, the insurance does not apply necessarily to somebody in, in the future, but it rather applies uh, to whoever is employed and employable as of today. Uh, so uh, as of January 1st, 2023, there is a requirement for everybody, everyone who is an employee uh, to register. Uh, so uh, that's one. Two, uh, <clears throat> with retirement, as, uh, as uh, some may know, uh, there isn't a specific retirement age and also depends on what industry you're in. You can always extend that and continue working. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that's that's why it's not really necessarily an excuse. Uh, but uh, when we're talking, so I would say it's there's not it's not worth risking it, especially since uh, the, uh, the fee is fairly marginal uh, or uh, negligible. Uh, so, so there's there's that, and also in terms of fines, uh, I do have, actually have specific fines uh, that, um, uh, that that apply. Uh, so, if you so there's a June 30th, 2023 is the deadline, in fact, to register for this. So you still have six months to register, uh, and the fine ultimately will be 400 dirhams uh, for anyone who is um, uh, who's failed to register by that point in time. And also, if uh, because there's two steps for it, there is a step for registering for the insurance, and then there is the payment mm-hmm. part. So if you have registered for the insurance but you have not paid uh, or stopped paying your contribution some point in time, uh, there will then you ultimately will lose uh, the benefits, and then to resubscribe, you'll still have to pay another penalty, which was 200 dirhams. And so these, by the way, penalties are set out in the executive regulations, um, which are nine uh, for those who are interested. Here, executive regula- regulation, cabinet resolution number 97 of 2022, and this uh, these regulations were issued recently. Uh, on the back of the law that ultimately set out the requirement for unemployment insurance. Uh, so um, for going back to our listener, I would say, given the, the circumstances, I would, I would not risk uh, and uh, register and pay. 
There you go. Hope that helps. And if you want the link again, drop me a little message on 4001. Two property questions now, Ludmilla. Um, both anonymous. One saying, my landlord sent a 12-month eviction notice stating he wanted to sell the property. We had until January the 15th, 2023 to vacate. However, found a property in November 2022 and moved. Our existing tenancy contract ended on the 22nd of October 2022, so I paid for the two extra weeks. However, I have now seen that property up for rent and have information that it's been rented out already. Can I claim compensation from the landlord as I pleaded with him to stay in the villa, even stating I would pay more rent just to stay? If I can claim compensation, what kind? I've heard it's up to a year's in the last at the last rental price and any expense I've had while moving to a new property. Oh, it does make the blood boil. Um, okay, Ludmilla, what does this listener need to know? Indeed, so the listener is well informed uh, on both fronts. One, there is a, a way to claim compensation, and two, it does come down to two years. Now, how you, what are these two years and what they represent, how you calculate it, uh, I'll explain. Uh, so in short, the law that uh, sets out, the RDC law, the rental uh, law in Dubai that sets out the landlord's um, uh, requirement and obligations and conditions to evicting a tenant uh, clearly also set out the penalties if uh, the eviction notice is ultimately either served on flawed basis or fraudulent basis, even worse. Uh, so there is compensation to provide for that. And that is um, in the event that... Uh, it, and this also depends on what's the reason for which the uh, landlord evicted or tried to evict the tenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if, for example, in this particular case, let's say he um, claimed that he wanted to move in himself or the, even, the, even that he wanted to sell it, um, there, I'll, I'll come back to the, 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 the reason for selling because um, there may be different type of an argument there. But if let's say if the landlord uh, uh, wanted to ter- uh, to evict the tenant because he or she wanted to move into the property themselves, and then it turns out that they in fact re-rented for somebody else for a different amount, then there's definitely clear compensation there. Now, how the, cal- uh, the compensation is calculated is, for example, it's um, it's uh, the difference ultimately in price and any other kind of expenses that the tenant is now. Uh, is now sub- sub- subject to as a result of this ultimately invalid or illegal uh, eviction. Uh, so in this case, whatever the difference is between uh, the um, uh, the rental price and it would be the rental price of an equivalent property. So let's say if the tenant had to move into a smaller property now and paying the same amount of money, uh, so he could uh, take a comparable property or even the property, this same property is now being rented out at the price it's being rented out. Uh, and then um, uh, multiply the difference to two, two years and add on moving expenses yeah, and whatever definitely. other expenses you would have suffered. So the amount can be quite significant, but ultimately it's up to the judge what they decide. But it's uh, but, but these are some of the main factors that would be considered. Okay. Now, if, for example, the tenant was evicted because the landlord was trying to sell the property and the landlord now can prove that he tried and for some reason was not able to sell it, then there could be an excuse there that the judge can ultimately decide that does not that it does not work, uh, warrant compensation. However, on the basis of what the listener described, chances are Sounds that unlikely uh, to me. That's not the case. <laughs> okay, thank you, Lud Miller. Really hope that helps, and all the very best. Let us know how this turns out. Staying with property, but. Um, of a different type. Message here saying, I bought a property while it was off plan. The project was sold with a shopping mall and retail shops, the first two floors and residence on top. Property was developed, um, sorry, delivered, handed over on time, but the mall and retail shops haven't opened for four years. Retail shops owned and managed by the developer. Can I take any action? It's affected property sale and rent value. Thanks a lot. 
You can, but you need to manage your expectations in terms of what you're able to uh, request in the court and ultimately uh, obtain. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, so uh, I guess you can argue that uh, we can provide evidence that if the property was, or the complex was completed as per the initial representations, then your property would have been uh, valued at a higher amount. But then itself, that just proving that is is not an easy task uh, for the time being, particularly in the UAE, because of, uh, I mean, how do you prove that uh, speculative value of the property? Um, That's one. And two, more important on the substantive side of things, uh, contractually, it is unlikely that uh, they have, the underlying sales and purchase agreement would have mentioned the completion of the facilities as a condition to the sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, if you were to argue this particular case, you need to be able to rely on, you know, your claim would ultimately be a breach of contract. And the breach of contract means that contractually you were, you were promised uh, uh, to have this property be part of a completed complex, uh, and therefore, now their promise has has not been delivered in the entire the compensation. Okay. But based on experience, I have yet to see a contract that would clearly be drafted that way, where the completion or the other facilities uh, are conditioned to the contract. So um, while perhaps part of the sales materials and such, you were expecting that all this would be delivered at some point in time, uh, contractually, it will be, again, based on experience, it will be a difficult argument to make. Okay, thanks, Liz Miller. All the very best with whatever you decide to do. I'm going to do a couple of very quick fire questions, Miller, if that's okay. Um, Rachel's saying, I have a different surname to my husband and kids for professional reasons. Not an issue in the UK, but I'm new to Dubai. I'm wondering if this could be problematic or even a barrier to travel with them without their dad. Um, Any paperwork required or should I just change my name? Thank you. Any clarification? Great question. Not not at all. Not at all, Rachel. Uh, There's absolutely zero, uh, zero grounds for concern. Uh, and in terms of the travel papers, you're not required for any of this uh, unless you fly to specific countries. For example, like South Africa has specific requirements that if you fly without the parent uh, you will, or one or the other parent, you will need documentation such as uh, power of attorney, for example. Uh, however, this has nothing to do with the name itself. It's, it's more about um, uh, for two parents accompanying uh, the same child. Or, or their children, and this is because of the human trafficking problems that South Africa have experienced. But that's one example where I know there's some additional documents are required if the other parent is not present. Uh, but it, again, it's not subject to, to or it's not uh, con- con- uh, related to the name difference. One and two, I uh, just as a little bit of trivia, uh, I'm a living example of this. I'm very, very different <laughs> from the rest of from the rest of my family. I have a very Eastern European name, Ukrainian name, and well, the rest of my family has very plain vanilla. American names, <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so my children look alike, look like me, so uh, the questions don't come up at the airport too much, but no, it's not at all a, a concern. Thank you, great. Thank you for raising that, Rachel, and thank you for, for answering so succinctly. And one very last question I'm going to get in trouble for, but Chris is saying, is it true that expats cannot get two-year visas for nannies or maids on our own sponsorship unless we've got a golden visa? And I think I'm living proof of that. Go on, Lynn Miller, what do you need to know? Indeed, yes, you are. And so am I. So yes, for the time being. Uh, yes, correct. So it's always been the case that so expats can only sponsor the domestic employees for one year. Yeah. That's always been the case. Now with the golden visa, that is one of the benefits of the golden visa. That now you can sponsor your, your domestic staff for two years. 
Uh, so go. until that changes, things remain the same. Thank you for raising that, Chris Miller. Thank you for your time. Busy, busy, busy as ever. First working day of 2023. But we'll catch up with you next Monday. And thank you again for all of that thank information you. on the unemployment insurance scheme. We're going to post that on the podcast, which is available in just about an hour or so. So if you missed that, make sure you head to your Apple app for podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Afternoons with Helen Farmer um, for everything you need to know. Ludmilla Malava, Happy New Year once again. And I'll catch you next week. Have a good one, lovely. Thank you. We are back to reality after the gatherings, the travel, the festivities, the spending, the gifting that went on over the holidays. We're back to work, hopefully not too broke. And I think a lot of people really wanting to make some positive changes, whether it is cost of living, earning more or just getting a handle on your spending this is the time to do it. January is a long month. (laughs) So we're talking spend less January, initiative where you spend only on essential items during the first month of the year. And I'd love your money saving tips. Already had some great ones going to be hearing from you again, 4001, use the ARN Play app. And to give us some tips on how we get more for our money, Debbie Steedman is here. She's the co-founder of Shop Well for Less UA, Facebook page with over 87,000 members now. Goodness me. Well, thank you for making the time for coming in. My pleasure. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, tell us about about setting it up. What was the aim of um, when when you and your fellow co-founders thought... Was, the group was originally set up, let me work it out now, January 2018, I think. It's grown a lot. It might have even been 2019. It was the year that we had the 5% VAT mm. increase. And um, I decided that, you know, everybody was like complaining um, and saying, oh, you know, the cost of living is going to go up. And I said, well, it will go up slightly, obviously 5%. But if we spend 5% less, then it won't change. And that's basically where it came from. It was just a case of, well, you know, they want to add five on, just spend five less. And that's basically where it was born from. It's become an absolute goldmine of information from people sharing, you know, photos of of Bargains they've spotted on the yeah. shelves, you know, links for online shopping, there's clever hacks on, on services and the kind of tips we're talking about today. I, I had no idea when, you know, Colin and I originally set up the group and then Vicky came on board. I had absolutely no idea in the in the early few months that it would become so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but some days we were getting requests, membership requests, you know, like up to 500, 600 a day that were coming it's, in. It just shows so the appetite for the word, it, doesn't it? Yeah, the word was obviously getting round. People were obviously saying, have you heard about that group? You know, give it a try, give it a try. And it's just grown so big. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm chuffed to bits with it. You Thank should, you, everybody, for joining. Well, you <laughs> should be really proud. But I think, I think what it really speaks to is... Well, first of all, people wanting to be more money conscious and not wanting to fall into that trap of leaving Dubai in, you know, worse yeah. off than when you came. Because unfortunately, that is the case for an awful lot of people. And mm. I wondered whether, you, you know, through conversations on the group or, you know, you've been in the UAE a long time. What are some of the common pitfalls or mistakes that expats in particular make when I it comes think, to spending? I think the biggest pitfall is when you first get here, you're blown away. You are literally blown away. I mean, just the weather, you know, the, the weather makes you happy. It makes you want to go out and spend. It makes you want to have lovely lunches on the beach. And you need it new just, clothes to wear. Yeah, to so you need new clothes to do it. Um, and it's just that the whole upbeat feel, but you can very easily get sucked into um, a boat trip, you know, mm-hmm. not, just for, but not just for birthdays mm-hmm. either. Oh, let's do a boat trip. The weather's glorious. That's something lovely to do. The brunches. Oh, you know, that hotel's on offer. It's only, it's only 500 a night. Let's go there. Cars. And before you know it, it's 
you're just spending money that you don't really need to. I'm not saying don't have a good time. You can still do that, and, and but th- you can do th- it on a budget. And I think that's exactly it. No, we're not talking about, be- about living here <laughs> yeah, and being yeah. miserable and <laughs> looking at everyone in Stay going, in your room. Don't go out. No, of course not. <laughs> but but being being mindful. Conscious. Uh, yeah. Because I, I think, I mean, I God, I did that when I first arrived. Oh, yeah, I was absolutely. having a great time. I've got no regrets about it at all. No. But I think, you know, as whether as you get older, you get more mature, you start thinking about your future, your children's future. Mm. It's just as it, exactly that word, being a bit more mindful and conscious about what you're spending. We've got lots of people sending in their money saving tips. Oh, Are wow. you ready? I'm ready. Ravi's saying, buy a good thermos, carry your coffee along with you. You can save between three and 5,000 dirhams per year. Um, Hannah's saying, the tip, I always menu plan and shop once a week but actually make your week eight days. On their eighth day, use up all the odd bits. Uh, This gains me extra housekeeping money and funds our Christmas. Mm. Caesar says cut dishwasher tablets in half. AJ said earlier, do not have multiple children or pets. (laughs) (laughs) Send yours in. Um, We are going to be sharing some of the tips from the Shop Well for Less page about how to actually spend less this January. And as we said, not be miserable. Some tangible advice for everything from, well, bulk shopping and, and cooking to where to get some bargains. Stay with us and send yours in 4001. We are helping you spend less this January. Joining us is the co-founder of Shop Well for Less UAE, Facebook page with over 87,000 members, a genuine, ironically, goldmine of information when it comes to spending well, spending consciously and sharing some really great resources. Debbie Steedman's with us. So tell us a little bit about the concept of spend less January. It sounds pretty self-explanatory, but how low are we going, Debbie? Oh, you can go as low as you want, really. Um, it basically, it's you don't spend on non-essential items. Okay, define so, non-essential, because I'm well, sure non, my non, definition... Non-essential, in some people's minds, I'm pretty sure we won't agree on this, is um, coffee on the run. You okay. know, that, that's, not, that's not an essential item. You can make your own coffee, as one of the guys who texted yeah, in and thank said. Thank you, Ravi. You, know, uh, you can make your own coffee. Um, no clothes, no makeup, no shoes, no chocolates. Because it's January, you don't need them, and you should have plenty in your cupboards. Are you joking? Um, Do you know me at all? To be fair, we might have three chocolate coins in the bottom of the suitcase. Uh, but, yeah. the, but the clothes, the makeup, the shoes. Yeah, we've, we've I, all got we've got them. We don't need any more, do we? Oh my god, I'm terrible for I know it. You terrible for it. I know. And I, th- so imagine if just for one month you don't buy any new clothes or any new makeup, and you don't go out for lunch at all. Just cack up. Calculate in your mind there quickly. Oh my God, I could save that amount of money. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I could have a weekend away instead. It's funny, we were talking about intentions with my kids yesterday. Yeah, and I think that's, for me, I, I, I definitely fall into traps of things like the marketing emails. I know. You know, the, oh, yeah. look, you know, it's 60% sale and extra 10% with this code. And I'm like, oh, oh, I, oh I do need an Helen, XYZ. And I don't need it. I had to le- delete my Bath and Body Works email this morning before I'd even read it. <laughs> I did it came in the beauty. inbox and I just deleted it straight away. I don't want to know what's on offer because I'm then tempted to go and do it, you know. And it works. The thing is, it works. We know the science of marketing. Of so I just deleted it straight away. So like, no, I'm not going down there. But Bath and Body Works, not getting any of my money until February, at least. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping away for a <laughs> whole month. I'm going to buy some of my favourite foaming soap. Yeah, so, so non-essentials, would you count dining out then as an essential? Um, I would count dining out as a non-essential. It's only, it's only one month. Um, but then I put myself in a rather difficult predicament because I meet my friends every Tuesday and I have done for about 
feels like 40 years, but it's obviously not. I meet them every Tuesday and we go for lunch. And that is a big part of my week Mm -hmm. in terms of, I'm not going to use the words mental health, but I really enjoy it. And and I'm not going to stop doing that Tuesday lunch um, just because it's spend less January. However, I'm going to compromise on my mind. No takeaways. Yeah. For the whole month. But I'll still meet, I'll still meet my friends. Like, for, Thank on, you for Tuesdays. making that distinction, though, because, yeah. we, you know, we've spoken in the past about addiction, you know, shopping yeah. addiction, food yeah. addiction, substances. And a lot, of, a lot of the addiction, the root of it can come down to disconnection. Yes. You know, what are you trying to distract yourself from? What are you trying to, you know, who are you trying to impress? All these different things. Yeah. And disconnection is a big, big problem for a lot of people yeah. here and I think the fact that you're saying I need to see these people no I, I do I need, I need yeah. to see them but and I'm not going to sit there with a bottle of water that I've brought from home no. you know while they're all having their you know their salad and their sandwiches and stuff it's a big part of my week it's mm-hmm. very important that I I see my friends and spend this time together but as I say as a compromise we won't have any takeaways for the whole the whole of January which is not that completely on the head you're planting some good seeds yeah. in my brain Debbie Stiglin. and I think once you start doing it and you get into a routine of it it's quite easy. We've got some messages coming in about um, money saving tips. Beck says, I buy bigger packs um, like chicken, split them into freezer bags before freezing. So a six piece packet becomes two bags of three pieces, then um, much cheaper than two smaller packets. Thank you for that. Pranga says, just don't go to the shops. And to physically look at the item, then imagine the amount of money it costs as a pile of cash. What's interesting, we we're talking to the, the Leap um, app guys yeah. earlier. And one of the questions was about, I guess, the tangibility of money and if you you know in COVID yeah. my goodness I re- yeah. very rarely carry cash now but I definitely feel it more if I'm spending with, with notes rather than just bleeping on oh, my abso- phone abso- what about you? Absolutely I've got one friend who um, adamantly has her allowance in cash she will not use a card because she feels more in control when it's mm. cash because she sees it going out of her purse and she looks oh my god I've only got 300 left so she has to rein it in mm-hmm. whereas if it's the a card it's just flash the card flash the card flash the card but, you know, so many places now, I try to pay cash. I can't remember where the other day. And it was, oh, madam, do you not have a card? So I had to pay by card and I didn't want to. But it's the way the world's going. Look, in five years' time, we won't even have the cash conversation. It'll just be, you know, which card do you use? Which is the best app to use for mm-hmm. this? But I like to have cash and I like to see it and I like to budget with it. You know, I can fill the car up. All oh, right, OK, you know, and move from there. Talk to me about tracking then. Do you use any apps for that? I don't use any apps, um, but I do. If I'm, if I'm like this month, January, I'm going to track. So what I'll do is I'll write every um, expenditure that I have in terms of shopping or going for lunch, uh, filling the car up. I'm going to write them all down. And I just use a calendar to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, pen, bit of paper, that's all you need. You don't need any fancy, anything fancy. So I will put it down and I'm going to top up, you know, top it up um, after a week and just see kind of where I am. The one thing that when we started um, Shop Well for Less, we used to work on a budget of your shopping supermarket shop would be 200 dirhams per adult and 100 dirhams per child so basically if you went to do a shop you'd be looking at about 600 about 600 a week yeah that was that was four years ago um i say now realistically you're probably looking at more like 270 per adult and about 130 per child it's gone up a lot We've also, in the last three years. But then also more options as well. I think a lot of people, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, buying online, I think shopping around has yeah. become... Oh, you you've know, got to shop around. You, you cannot just go to one supermarket and shop. I mean, 
if if that's you know if your work dictates that then fine fair enough I get that but the best way is to find out what day the different supermarkets do the different deals mm-hmm. and you know visit them on their sort of kind of like their market days or their discount days they, they all do them um, one of the best ones which is kind of doesn't get enough uh, exposure in my opinion is the Grandios the French supermarket yeah there's one on Beach Road they've got loads of them Helen and they've got a hypermarket up at Arjan a Grandios hypermarket it was bigger than Spinney's I went last week I couldn't believe it but what they do every day is they have different deals on different types of meat. So they had um, fillet steak was on half price, you know, and I just happened to be there that day. Oh, my God, it's only 36 a kilo or something. And once you get into the routine of thinking, oh, yeah, that's their discount day. Mm-hmm. But Grandiose also have an app and I have their app and I got an email from them two days ago saying if you order between the, the 31st, no, the 31st and the 1st, you know, you've got 23% discount on your shopping. Gosh, that's good. So I straight away went on water, all the things I can't carry, yes. you know, health <laughs> problems. So I straight away, all the soft drinks, orange juice, milk, water, everything. All and they deliver stuff. within two hours. Well, to hear saying, yeah. you know, don't buy groceries in store, order online. You buy unwanted items yes. when in store. And do you know what? It's true. Don't go shopping hungry. Or thirsty. Never. And don't go with your husband. And preferably don't, go, <laughs> don't with go, with go with your children. Don't go with your children. That's the worst one. We're giving you yeah. all the advice this afternoon. I'm going to keep Debbie Steedman with us for a little bit longer. Loving your money saving tips. Going to be reading out a few more of those and also offering up some advice from some of the uh, some of the big hitters at Shopwell for this uh, Facebook page. We're going to be talking about freezing, veggies, batch cooking. Let us know how you save some money, especially in January. I've kept Debbie Steedman longer than I'd planned because I've had so much to talk about. She is the co-founder of the Shop Well for Less Facebook page. They've got well over 80,000 members despite just starting a few years ago and for very good reason. Brilliant resource for people sharing where to shop and where not to shop. Um, Also just general tips for living well in the UAE without overspending. Conscious spending, mindful spending and of course it is January. Spend less January. Um, So we're talking their top tips but also yours if you want to share yours get in touch you can do that on the phone line on the text line on the whatsapp here is aruma hi so i've got a different take for my january of the new year of 2023 um 2022 was a bit of a unique year for us in the family and so we've had to cut down on a few of our expenses such as travel exercise holidays to name a few Um, and that was more to stay within a budget that we'd agreed upon for ourselves for the year um, we ended up doing quite successfully. We, you know, achieved well within that target that we set for ourselves. And having done so, um, unlike how, you know, we've we've done 2022, this year I've given myself the liberty of not really looking at my expenses with a magnifying glass for a little while. So Arum is taking the pressure off herself after a successful 2022. Now, Debbie, how important is, do you think, to have... I guess, tangible goals when it comes to saving, whether it's saving towards something or with a it's number got, in mind. It's got to be realistic, hasn't it? You, you know what you have coming in and you know what you have going out and you know what's left in the pot. Um, then it's up to you to decide how much of that pot you're going to spend and how much you're going to put to one side. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a funny place. Some months you do have a lot of outgoings oh, and then goodness. other yeah sometimes I'm like okay the it, school it's just fees, one thing after Amazon another it's car, car registration insu- yeah exactly the car insurance comes up at the same time as this comes up and that comes up and then you'll have another month where you think oh, oh my goodness quite, quite I don't think I, I don't even think I spent 400 in spinnies this month 
you just have those months where you don't need to buy things. And I mean, obviously, I've known for the last month I was going to do this this month, whereas I didn't tell the group until two days ago. Mm -hmm. So nobody had time to prepare. And I'm not saying I raced out and spent thousands of dirhams on food. I didn't. I just have quite a bit in the freezer. Mm -hmm. So my plan is I'm going to live out of the freezer for the next month and just get that freezer right down. We don't want freezers full of money because that's all it is at the minute, you know. And they also don't run as well when they're packed full either. No, no, they don't. We're having a lasagna from the freezer tonight. Good. Made by my husband's fair hands. So maybe, you know, maybe at least three times, four times a week, you should be grabbing something that you've got in the freezer and using it it up instead of spending your money, Mm -hmm. use it up. Same with your cupboards. Go through your cupboards, find all those tins of soup. What I did a few months ago was I went and I found about four different types, you know, tins of soup and I bought them on promotion or they'd been on the sell-by date or something like that. I poured them all into one pan and just made one pan of soup and nobody was none the wiser. (laughs) It probably cost me about five dirhams for the whole pan of soup. (laughs) Loving the tips, guys. Here is Ravi. You must understand the clear distinction between want and need. You will never go wrong. You will save money. Knowing the distinction between want and need. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a rule of thumb if I'm if I'm making a an important purchase, an expensive purchase, I will not do it on impulse. I will go to the shop, I will look and I will come home. And the rule is if I think about it again at least three times before the following morning, mm-hmm. then I will go back and buy it. If I don't think about it again, then um, well, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? It, it, obviously, I didn't want it and I didn't need it. Then, you know, there's this, this, this things that you just have to have. And I I tried everywhere to get a particular watch and I just wasn't going to sleep until I got it. And eventually, <laughs> eventually I got it and it really overtook my life. Um, but, yeah, you do have to... Mainly, I think mainly with clothes and shoes and stuff like that. Definitely. And you have to stop and say, do I need another black jacket? No. Do no. I need another floral dress? I no. absolutely don't. Helen, you definitely don't need another floral dress. <laughs> Trust me, you don't need another Debbie, I'm going to message dress. you every time I'm in a shop. But, but <laughs> you know, when you are buying clothes and shoes, it's about, yeah. you know, what are there three or five other outfits in my wardrobe yeah. that this could work with? Yeah. Or is this going to be something that I wear once and then I lose interest? Because we're not saying be miserable. I'm not saying never Far spend from it. again. But, Far from it. But, but just you know, just more. pick that item up, look at it and think, do I really need that? It was to say, you know, last week everywhere went on sale with all the Christmas items. There's some fantastic bargains to be had and everywhere, in all mm-hmm. the stores, there was great things. I did treat myself to a couple of baubles for the tree. That was about it. I just had to step back and say, look, I do not need any more Christmas stuff. You know, that that's it. Just walk away from it mm-hmm. instead of, you know, tying your money up in it. And let's face it, Christmas is fantastic, but all the decorations lie in the cupboard for 11 months of the year, mm-hmm. which means your money's lying in the cupboard for 11, 11 months of the year as well. So get what you want. Just don't keep adding to it all the time. Get a nice sort of setup and stick with that. Hin's got some advice for just general spending. Hi, happy new year. I've been working for 20 years. I've never had a credit card. That's the first tip. And I've had a weekly allowance for myself after paying all my bills. Uh, And if I finish that allowance, I have to wait for the next allowance. I saved a lot of money last year using this method. Thank you. 
Thank you. I think, um, you know... As yeah, we, she's right. She's absolutely right. As, as we were alluding to mm. earlier, you know, I, I got to university and the bank was like, hurrah, here yeah. you are, fresh blood. Yeah. Have, have a lovely overdraft and a credit card. Yeah. And got myself in quite a lot of bother over that. Yeah. And, and it starts... It, it, you can start with a problem at that age. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the spending and the, addi- the addiction to spending and the having to have, the peer pressure, that all, I think, kicks in in your sort of like mid-teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even more so when you go to university, because you want to keep up with everybody else you know you want to be part of the group so I don't think there's an 18 year old walking this planet that hasn't got themselves into a little bit of a financial mess when they've gone off to university I think that that kind of saying you know we buy things we don't need with with money we don't have to impress yes. people we don't like yeah it's exactly. something it's also quite good to have front of mind and very I, true. I say this to myself um, very very much so um, let's uh, let's go to the text line thank you so much guys for getting in touch if you've got any money saving tips this is your chance no name on this one saying someone on Twitter said that her electricity costs were noticeably reduced by switching off everything at the sockets when not in use I don't know I'd be interested do you know what so I'm just back from the UK and everyone's got those little smart meters I know so on on my parents window still my best friend's you know kitchen unit yeah it tells you how much you've spent on your power it's 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 really really depressing it's really strange but I I do always switch off the kettle and the coffee machine always I don't know why but the telly, I don't switch off or anything like that. But in the kitchen, you've got, you know, the They're kettle and the coffee machine they? next to each other on the same plug. And I do tend to switch them off. And I do think there is, I think there's things like, I recently bought a new washing machine, which was an investment piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a cold wash cycle. So it now means that I can do cold washes confidently, knowing that the machine was built to do a cold wash cycle. Yeah, that's um, and... The timing of the cycle is something like 34 minutes compared to a 40 degree watch, which is 57 minutes. Now, that doesn't seem like a big issue, but just working out in your mind how many washing loads of washing you do, multiply it by Mm -hmm. 52. And then all of a sudden, that's a hell of a lot of electricity. Yeah. That you're actually saving. You can go a step further. Emily's saying, one of the ladies at my gym says she has a showers and styles her hair at the gym <laughs> rather than using her own hot water and electricity. Oh, we've all done that. I used to send my daughter to the swimming pool with her swim bag and some pyjamas. <laughs> <laughs> so there are ways, there are ways and means. But I think, I think there's a couple of points that I'm taking away from this. Yeah. One is not, you know, yes, don't be miserable. No. But be mindful. Because to, to, to me, I've just got really slack, really, really yeah. slack over the last year. Yeah. And for me, I want me and my husband to be on the same page about our savings goals, about why we're in Dubai, what we're working towards yeah. and not spending for the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. That, is, that, that ultimately is the top and bottom of it, isn't it? We all have to go to the supermarket. We all need to buy things. But what, what January, the spend this January is just giving a little like knock on your brain and saying to you, you know, come on, just for one month, rein it in. Just think. Just think before you, before you buy. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully... You'll you'll change your your mood as such, and you'll continue that through the through I, the whole year. And I think Do you know what I mean? You start, you'll suddenly stop and think to yeah. yourself, "I don't really need that chocolate gatto, even if it is only ten dirhams. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. I'm not you know you fall into this trap of buying things because they're on a promotion or, or they're on an offer. And my you know deleting my Bath and Body Works thing <laughs> today was just a perfect example of 
but also they were going to they were going to take my money from me but by you know looking at groups that, you know such as yours by you know spending a few minutes looking yeah. for deals you might come across some brilliant oh, projects absolutely it might absolutely. be some great discoveries yeah. I'm going to go and buy some prawns at Viva so you know job done yeah. thank you so much Daffy for anyone that does and I'm sure a lot of people are already on your group all 87,000 of you who are listening this afternoon um, what's the best way of getting in touch with you and you know well, just, I guess some of the guidelines of the group as well just through the group basically you know you send your request to joining most of them are automated to join so you can probably get into the group more or less straight away you'll see the admin you'll see there's myself colin and vicky you can get in touch with any of us at any time um if you see a good deal if you see a good promotion take a picture put it in the group share it with us you know some of the best deals that we've had have been from fellow members Mm -hmm. who've physically seen them snap that shot jumped in the group and said guys this is on offer come down you know, that's well, the only way to do it. Th- thank you for keeping that conversation going. It is Shop Well for Less UAE. Thank you so much. I'm curious to catch up with you in a few weeks' time, see how Spend Less January has gone. And you've definitely given me some of my good ideas. Their co-founder, Deva Steedman, live in the studio. What chores can a five-year-old be in charge of? What about an eight-year-old? What child should they start chores learn to do laundry should it be tighter pocket money so many questions we are talking about teaching children to be responsible despite let's be honest living in a region with a lot of home help uh, Mesa Fahor is with us she's a conscious parenting coach and you have opinions on this which I am so keen to hear first of all happy new year how are you hello happy new year to you too I'm well how are you yeah really well and I'm very keen to get my kids on the chore train because we have kind of made an effort not really seen it through we know they should be doing chores but you know we we haven't nailed it yet it's hard it's really hard so I'm bringing you in um I think we should start by perhaps talking Mm -hmm. about the benefits to our children of contributing to household duties what do they get from it Okay, so first off, a really important reframe that I would suggest that parents start considering is stop calling them chores Mm -hmm. and let's start calling them contributions. So in my household, reframing that job as a contribution is going to allow the child to feel like they're contributing to the household, you know, reality of life. And so how does it benefit them? Well, it gives them that taste of what it feels like to have responsibility really important that we don't turn them into mini adults, these children. Totally agree. Because children are not mini adults. You have to look at age appropriateness, you have to look at consistency, and you have to look at expectations. Also, the idea of cramming. So a lot of parents tend to go, oh no, I haven't, you know, gotten my child to work in a washing machine ever. So I'm just going to concentrate on that. And it's not exactly how it works with children. Because the benefit is for them to see how it's not a sudden one-off situation. Mm -hmm. I think for me, we've always kind of thought about being on being a team, I Mm. guess. And we Mm. absolutely include Loretta, you know, our nanny on that, who who does an awful lot more around the house than, than, than me. I can tell you that for free. But I don't want my kids, whether we do ever go back to the UK or whether we, you know, they're raised here. I don't want them to be helpless and useless and spoiled and entitled yeah but as you say I think it's it's that balance of I don't want to put responsibility on their shoulders and Mm. you know overwhelm them yeah and I think when they're really little it's like it's a real sense of fun they love the idea of Mm. you know putting clothes into a hamper or or brushing up but when they get a little bit older yeah they start to feel like well you know 
why should I? I think yeah. is, is kind of the, the common sentiment. So I wanted to ask you oh, also one thing. I feel <laughs> something my husband says a lot is like the kids are a lot more capable than you realise. Mm. And that rings pretty true for me. And I, I do wonder if perhaps a lot of us, myself included, mm-hmm. maybe baby our children more than we should and perhaps do them a disservice by doing that. Mm. I think the first thing to do is to look at the reality of the task. So, you know, in parenting, on one side of the scale is the permissive parents, you know, the ones that don't want to give their children any any jobs, any responsibility. They save them from all hardships. And on the other extreme is where I call, you know, the parent treats the child as a mini adult. We want to be somewhere in the middle. So if you've got a child who is, you know, pretty keen to learn something, then of course jump on that bandwagon. However, a really good tip for parents in the GCC is on that day off that your nanny is not there, get your kids to start expecting that on on that Saturday or that Sunday or whatever day it is, that's the day that they're going to make their beds, pick up their laundry, look at, you know, how rice is cooked, serve themselves if that's the extent of what the nanny has been doing for them all week. Really important to understand that your nanny, your maid is doing a job. Mm-hmm. That is not a job for a child. So we do not tie money and allowance to doing these contributions for the house. It doesn't make sense. If you're going to go down that path, then you're treating a child and adult as equal and it's not accurate. What about reward charts, sticker charts, tracking Oh, no, you're laughing. Oh, no. This isn't, no? <laughs> okay. So the thing with, re- I don't know, like reward charts sound great in theory, but they are actually so nuanced and actually a pain for parents. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we even put ourselves through that hardship. Here's the thing with rewards. I mean, how do you set the boundary? You'll write on a, on a sticker chart, Make your bed. Well, what if your kid just flings the doona over? Is that what you guys call it, a doona? I'd say a duvet. Okay. But I know what you mean by doona. All right. (laughs) We're we're cross-cultural. So, you know, is that good enough? Does that get a sticker? Oh, right, you want it really tucked in. Okay, your child's four. They're not going to be able to tuck that in. Um, Another thing, pick up your plates after you've eaten. Okay, so what, breakfast, lunch and dinner, snacks and not – like at what point do you get the sticker? So ladies and gents, parents, just drop the sticker chart. Instead, turn it into a really, um, the idea is to congratulate the good and then teach what is a challenge. So they do put the plate in the sink. Amazing. Well done. That's where the plate goes. They don't put the plate in the sink. I can see a plate on the table. It needs to go in the sink. I don't know. Can you do it in 30 seconds or and turn it into a challenge. There's a lot of gentle parenting techniques that you can use with a child because, you know, also a really important point here, nobody is excited to clean a house. No. I mean, nobody. there are some, a few influencers who are making a lot of money out of endorsing <laughs> cleaning products, but they are the extent of it. You know, like at the end of the day, your 10-year-old isn't going to go, Oh, gee, yeah, mum's got a point. I'd love to put down my Nintendo Switch and do that. That sounds way more fun. Exactly. Mum's got a point. She's so tired. She works all week and now is my turn to step up. No No. kid's going to do that. (laughs) Do not trust children that say that. They are fooling you. (laughs) They're either fooling you or they're compliant and I'd be worried about them because they turn into people pleasers. But anyway. (laughs) Um, Can I ask then about age-appropriate chores? Mm -hmm. Sorry. 
contributions. Thank you, Helen. You're welcome. That's my big learning <laughs> of today. Um, tell me then about, mm. let's start with, say, the under fives, because mm. I think I think that can be the age group where they actually want to, you know, they want to help. It's, Get it's, into it's, everything. It's, it's a game. So what, what would be safe, what would be appropriate for the littlies, the two, yeah. three, fours? Let's, let's focus on something that doesn't have fine motor skills involved, you know. So let's go with, you know, picking up um, dirty laundry to place them into the basket, carrying that basket to the laundry. Um, when it comes time to, you know, dishes, um, my five-year-old loves putting the tablet in, you know, under my supervision, putting in the spoons and choose something that is going to suit you. I always focus on the parent first before the kid. The reason why I say this is, you know, maybe you don't have the energy that day to help your child stack. Or, or like my mum, mm. as I've discovered after mm. a week in the UK, likes the dishwasher done in a very specific way. <laughs> I hadn't realised, hadn't realised the extent of it. So if you're like that and your kid stacking the dishwasher is just going to stress you out, take it off their list. Spot on, Helen. I think there's a lot of memes out there, you know, with ethnic parents remembering that, you know, we used to clean the house and then your mum would clean it after you because mm-hmm. it wasn't done to her standard. Don't do that. Choose a task that you're okay with it not being the way you it absolutely has to be. So have a look at your energy levels also. Are you trying to do this first thing in the morning you haven't had your coffee you haven't had your breakfast are you choosing things purely to check them off the list mm-hmm. or are you choosing things because you really want your kid to learn that skill and children are the best people to find out if you're telling the truth or not <laughs> very true now the age i have which is that kind of mm. six to nine bracket mm-hmm. which you know they'd rather be watching tv a hundred percent and i as would i I get that. Um, what about getting their buy-in? So things that we... Mm. I'm just going to kind of um, just tell you what kind of what happens in our house. Yep. They make their beds in the morning. Mm-hmm. They, like you're saying, put their sink, put their dishes in the sink mm-hmm. or the dishwasher. Um, they're into feeding and walking the dogs. And that, I mean, and just general tidying. It's pretty good, really. Helen. That's pretty good. Oh, I'll tell my husband I, he'll be delighted. <laughs> I really think that, you know, they've got a lifetime to learn these skills and a lifetime to put up the mundane you know, cleanliness and doing all of those jobs that you, you know, adults have to do, that if you make it from now, it doesn't have to be fun. It just has to be not stressful. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a better chance at helping your kids not have a um, negative connotation. I meet so many parents. Actually, the biggest thing that parents tell me is that they get triggered by mess. And that comes back from childhood because their parents were so triggered by mess. Mm-hmm. So all the parents I meet, you know, we talk about triggers. For them, it's mess. Oh, I can't stand mess. Oh, no, no, no mess. And so what that does is a continuous cycle. So what you want to do is create a stress-free environment as much as you can. Remember my rule is 70-30. We're not robots. We're only humans. 70% of the time, aim for that stress-free. Listen, we're going to... Um, pick up our laundry and take it to the laundry now. Let's go. And that's it. That's what you're going to focus on. You're not going to ask your nine-year-old to do seven different tasks. No. You're not going to shout at them from 10 metres away, hey, pick up, you know, your laundry. You've got to come closer to the child. Listen, buddy, time to pick up. Do you want me to pick up five Legos and you pick up five Legos? Because Legos don't belong on the floor. It's called um, scaffolding. I mean... You look at a building being built and scaffolds are so important. That's the same thing with children when we're teaching them something new, usually something mundane, by the way, because kids will pick, you know, things, 
pick things up that are fun quite quickly. But with things like this, and you know, you can think about it like learning how to read. You've got to scaffold the child to give them that help that they need to master mm-hmm. the task. Mm-hmm. I think that expectation thing is actually really. And again, it comes back to parenting styles, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, I'm probably more on the more permissive side. My husband's definitely kind of more authoritative. So he, yeah. he has got very high standards for the kids and gets triggered, as you're saying, by mess. Yeah. I get triggered by noise. Mm. I find like noise just totally overwhelming. Yeah. And I'm often going, they're only, they're only six. She's not going to sit still for an hour to eat dinner. She's not going to mm. be, you know keeping her bedroom completely Mm. tidy so I guess it's about helping helping Mm. just helping them just helping them to do it in regards to the the permissive style of parenting you know we're not going to go into coaching now but there could be privately (laughs) you know the permissive parents are really conflict avoidant they're kind of like oh I don't really want any big intense emotions around now and I know exactly what it is yeah I have working mum guilt and that's why Mm. 100% and that's why I don't want to be nagging them all the time. Mm. I do nag them, but I don't want to nag them all the time. I, I've probably got a little higher tolerance for mess. Yeah, and yeah, I think I hundred yeah. percent. I know a hundred percent what 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 mm. that's about. So here's a quick tip for you: two things can be true at the same time. Your kids have to learn to do whatever it is that you and your husband are talking about, and you can also be lenient in certain things. Mm-hmm. But holding a boundary is not about, um, oh, I don't really want to be a nag or I've been away all day. I want listeners to understand that a boundary is safety. Imagine your home, right? Your home had like wobbly walls and you actually never knew when these walls are going to crumble. And you're like, oh, I better, I better continuously just make sure that the walls are safe. That is what it feels like for children to have parents that don't have strong boundaries. So if you want to pick up if you want your kids to pick up the mess off their off the floor, then you need to embody a sturdy leadership behaviour. Mm-hmm. Mess needs to be picked up. Would you like me to help you? Would you like a timer? That needs to go in the green tub. And that's exactly that's the sweet spot, isn't it? Yeah. And, that, and that's what I think. What we're all trying to kind of work towards the the obstacle is we've got we've got our own stuff going on from before we've yeah. got our partner stuff that we're trying to you know kind of calibrate with as well yeah we've run out of time I have run out of questions but thank you so much for coming in I think it's a really good time to have a bit of a reset on our expectations of ourselves and our children and us as a family as a team and how we can as I said earlier help them we're not we're mm. not trying to put more responsibility on their shoulders we're ultimately equipping them to be confident independent Little people and then adults as well. But if anyone does want to contact you, what's the best way of getting in touch, Mesa? So I'm on social media. You can find my handle at CoachMaceEQ. And my email is in the link in my bio of my Instagram page. If you want those details, drop me another message on 4001. Wishing you and yours a very happy 2023. Thank you. See you soon, I hope. We are in resolution territory, people. Um, I haven't made any particularly kind of intentionals uh, this year so far, but for a lot of people, it comes down to fitness. A lot of people, it comes down to finance. And it is a really good opportunity to have a bit of a reset, whether you're looking at your own finances or looking at the conversations you're having in your home, because financial literacy savings so crucial and really 
could and should be taught to our children as early as possible. So have you started teaching your children about money and spending? Join the conversation. Have your say. Let us know your thoughts on everything from saving to pocket money. Um, our guests, our first guests of 2023 are the founders of an app called Leap. We've got Ziad and Jamil in the studio and they are on something of a mission to teep, teach kids how to be smart about their money management skills. Great to have you both in the studio. I'd love to get a bit of context though, if you don't mind. Ziad, can you tell us a little bit about some of the conversations that you were having with your parents around money growing up because it yeah. does tend to be those early conversations that just inform our whole money mindset. Yeah, definitely. I mean, growing up, basically my parents uh, used to have different pots uh, for me to spend in, save in, and I would get a weekly pocket money. Um, but basically, you know, it would incentivize me to save, but there was no track of how I'm spending. Mm-hmm. There was no track of how much I'm saving. It was just very manual. Um, but my parents really instilled uh, a sense of, um, you know, that hard work needs to be earned and that spending is is not something that should come easy. Yeah, it's should not be, given. It's not given, you know, and it's something that, you know, when you're looking to, to save for something, you should be able to save and take a portion of your pocket money and set it aside for whatever you want to purchase. I think for... I find it quite a kind of, not emotional, but quite a conflicting topic sometimes because I think as parents, we want to protect our children a lot from the realities of the world. You know, we want to, we don't want them to worry about money, but we also yeah. want to inform them. It's a, it's a really kind of fine line. But so I wondered, like, you know, how do money management skills, especially being taught to younger children, I guess, prepare them for adulthood and responsibilities that are definitely coming their way, whether, whether we want it or not? No, 100%. I mean, look, you know, moving times and kids are definitely starting to grasp the concept of money at an earlier and earlier age. I mean, from all the sort of games they're playing, from the videos they're watching Mm -hmm. online, there's a lot of content out there. So by sort of getting a hold of your sort of financial literacy, money management skills at a young age and building a really solid foundation, it will help them later on in life I mean I've heard really kind of disturbing stats about you know kids going off to university and not knowing the difference between a credit card exactly and a debit exactly, card yeah. it's you know. exactly that as in the first time a lot of kids and teens get their first card is when they go off to college and mm-hmm. if they're not in the same city, state, town, country as their parents. And if they're 18 and they can sign something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I remember going to university and there being banks set up with these kind of kiosks. Overdrafts. Yeah. Have an overdraft, have a yeah. credit card, have a Game Boy for signing up with us. And when you're, you know, potentially a very broke student, that's very, very enticing. Definitely. And we hadn't had a lot of money conversations, you know, growing up. And I did get a massive overdraft, never got into bad credit card debt, but that kind of temptation of free money was, you know, it's, it's too much for a lot of people to bear. And I'm not putting all the blame on the on the banks and, and because I feel like a lot of that responsibility does lie with the parents and the students. But by having these conversations early, hopefully we are not necessarily bamboo, bamboozling them with jargon, but giving them the language to, to navigate yeah, some of these. Making them a bit more prepared and yeah, setting, like I savvy. said, that solid foundation. Exactly. So yeah. when they get on, they're a bit more informed and they can make, hopefully... Better decisions. Not fall into the, yeah, the pit. Not fall into the, the traps trap. that I did. Um, so yeah, tell us about the, the gap that you identified then and, and that you're looking to address with the, with the app. Yeah, so like you said, a lot of um, kids don't get an early grasp of how to manage their money um, in schools. It's not taught in schools. Um, so it's really, you know, falls down to a manual process. Um, so 
Um, I mean, we identified basically a lot of gaps when we were launching Leap. Um, one being the, the MENA region has uh, one of the lowest um, rates in terms of financial literacy compared to the, to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. That's around 30%. So there's a huge opportunity to really increase that and teach kids the value of money, how to budget, how to save, how to earn um, at a younger age before they go off and become independent and their adult selves. The how to earn is an interesting thing. I was just back in the UK over Christmas and I was showing my, my kids the restaurant that I washed dishes in when I was 13 and they were like, you were 13? I was like, yeah. And I got paid about two quid an hour and I hated it. Yeah. But it really, oh my gosh, it, you know, it, it teaches. And there, there perhaps are less opportunities to, to earn money in those kind of weekend and teenage jobs here, here in the region, which means that exactly. often for allowances, it does fall to the parents. We're talking about exactly how the app works in just a couple of minutes. If you've got any questions relating to financial history around children or you want to share some of the conversations you had with your parents growing up, get in touch. You can be anonymous if you prefer. 4001. You've got the ARN Play app as well and the WhatsApp too. Joining us in the studio, Ziad Ann Jamil from Leap App. If you want details of that, drop me a little line. I'd be happy to send the link to you. Joining us live in the studio are the founders of Leap App, Ziad and Jamil, to answer my questions and, of course, yours when it comes to money and kids, financial literacy. How can tech play a role in their money management? So, um, Ziad, tell us a little bit then about how the app actually works. And I, I mean, really yeah. talk to me as if I am a six-year-old. Yeah. What, what, is, what is the aim of it and how does it work? Yeah, so the purpose of the app is really to teach kids how to earn, save and spend their pocket money. Um, so basically, it's one app with two different experiences. The first experience or the first login is basically for the kid um, and the second being the parent. Um, so from the parent side, uh, they get access to the app. They get full transparency and visibility over their children's spending habits, they can uh, control the card. Let's say, you know, the kid oh, loses so the card. So the kids get a card? Yeah. So the kids okay. get a card. Uh, it's a prepaid Visa card. Um, so the kids can spend only whatever is put on it. There's no overdraft. There's no credit. <laughs> Good. Um, so and everything is tracked and everything is, you know, controllable from the, from the parent side of things. And security is, you know, top of mind for us when we built this. Um, we have a partnership with, with a regulated bank here, uh, Meshrek Bank. Um, so basically, you know, everything that uh, we do is regulated and, you know, security is, is really important for, for us. Um, and then basically, um, in terms of features, you know, parents can uh, set tasks for their kids to uh, earn extra rewards to really mm, motivate uh, them. Incentivize them. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. to really motivate them to, 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 to do the things that they typically don't want to do. Um, and just, you know, make things a little bit more gamified. Um, you mentioned earlier when, when you were growing up, you had like a savings pot and a, and a, and a spending pot. Is yeah. there a way of differentiating on the app? Exactly. There yeah. is. Okay. Cause yeah. I, I, you know, I was saying to you off air, my older daughter's nearly eight and she's obsessed with saving money yeah. to the point where she just doesn't really, doesn't really want to spend it because she loves seeing the numbers go up, especially compared yeah. to her sister who will spend on absolutely anything. And yeah. she kind of lords that over. Oh, I've got this amount. But what I want her to do is exactly that, to, move, to maybe have a savings pot and a spending pot. So yeah. with the card, is there a way of, I guess, kind of blocking off certain amounts if you want to save? Or does that, I'm sorry if, if I'm not asking so, a clear question. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the app has the spending aspect and the savings aspect as separate. Uh -huh. um, so we have a feature also that uh, users can disable or enable. But basically, it's called auto rollover on uh, autopilot. So at the end of each week, 
any unspent money just auto rolls over into their savings account. Okay. So it just incentivizes them to spend less. I'm um, a question here saying, I've just started the process to enroll my daughter with Leap, but I'm hesitating. I don't know how safe it is. How is it regulated? Um, and tell us about the fees. Can you take that for us? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, we've got a, a bin, so a bank sponsorship, as Ziad just said, with uh, one of the local banks here, Mushrik Bank, which allows us to basically issue cards um, we use a payment processor, which is also regulated by the central bank of the UAE. So it's fully safe and secure. Um, what age did you have in mind when setting this up? And, and I guess kind of where are you seeing the, the customers? So we initially started at, you know, minimum age of eight years old. And then we got a lot of feedback from parents saying, you know, the younger sibling also He's wants it, left out. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there any way? So we looked into it and we said, actually, yeah, we can lower the age to six. So we did. And now there's also, you know, a lot of parents are asking if they can set up an account so they can start saving for the younger kids, even younger. So mm. kind of having that conversation Do you know, now. That, that's a question we get a lot, both mm. on the legal and wherever we're talking about finances, about saving for our children and, and kind of how to do that and, and where to do that. So that's an interesting point. Um, but you're saying... Um, Curious to get the guys' take on being cashless. Does that mean the kids don't understand the value of money, how to count it, etc.? What do you think? Yeah, it's a it's a good point. Um, but you know, when it comes to cash, we've had a lot of you know when we when we were first first building Leap, basically a lot of the feedback from parents were uh, basically they were saying that they they would give them cash, they would come back and they wouldn't be able to track where it's spent. Um, they would have yes, you come know, back with like a key ring, yeah, and exactly. you know some some nice <laughs> memories from from a, you know the arcade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they wanted a, an app that would be able to help track how they're spending their money and how how much they're saving. Um, when it comes to cash, you know, there's disadvantages with it being very manual um, and not digitized. Mm-hmm. Um, so Leap really makes it easy for for kids and parents to see how much they're spending, how much they're saving, and just everything's trackable. Um, a question from Liam saying, can parents block transactions or approve them? That's an interesting point. Is that Talk us through the actual kind of payment process. So payment process is, is pretty simple in the sense, this is a version 1.0. So for now, parents can load the card and the kids can spend exactly what's on the card. Um, we do have other features where, for example, if the kid loses the card or they've misplaced it because we all know it happens, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that uh, Parent can easily log into the app and freeze the card on the spot. In terms of approving it on a trans- transaction by transaction basis, not yet, but in the in the making. It's, but that's, again, it's this kind of tough you know, line to, to, to tread, isn't it? You want kids to be, have agency over their spending and exactly, some of the exactly. conversations is about making good, <clears throat> smart purchases or not, having some fun and having a pop you know, for that. And maybe by putting an approval or a block system in place, yeah. you're taking that power off them. Taking the agency away, away. as yeah. you correctly put yeah. um, And a question about fees. So tell us a little bit about that. We've only got like, 20 seconds left. So for, <laughs> yeah. are you okay to take me through the signing up fees and everything we need to know on the practical side? Yeah, so signing up is super easy. We're on uh, the iOS and Android app store. Um, you can download it on the iPad as well. Um, the sign up takes around three minutes. It's all done on the app. Um, and then you get your card in one to two business days um, delivered. Um, in regards to the sort of uh, fees at the moment, we're offering our you know early signers 90 days free subscription. And then after that, it's 20 dirhams per month per child. Okay, 
Guys, thank you so much. Honestly, my husband and I were just talking over the holidays about how to manage this because the thought of her having like, or to, to be honest with you, my daughter having cash in the house is very useful if I need to like, you know, tip a delivery driver. <laughs> but long term, it's not, it's not, it's not the solution. But this sounds really, really fantastic. For anyone that does want to sign up, is there the website? I know you mentioned the app, but you know, if there's any kind of questions people have that we haven't been able to cover off today, what's the best way of finding out Yes. More? So our website is savewithleap.com. Um, so you can just get more information there. We have FAQs. The download link is there. So, Guys, thank you so, so much. I think uh, lots to think about and I think kind of helping us get on track a little bit with our own finances when we're talking about after three o'clock, but certainly helping our kids at a younger age as well. All the very best and happy new year. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday. Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.